Imagine what God would do if everyone in this room prayed every day for five non-believing friends and family and neighbors and coworkers, and we all took steps to care for them, we shared the gospel with them, and asked them the golden question. How many people might find eternal life, eternal joy, and eternal peace if we just invited them to it? God's love compels us to be his ambassadors right where we are. He calls us to, compels us to do that no matter the cost. What does it mean to be an ambassador for Christ? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is our fourth podcast featuring Mr. John Anderson, Campus Ministry Director for the Navigators at Wichita State University. John spoke to our men's retreat in early April 2022 and had very impactful messages. We start today by repeating just a few minutes from the last podcast as John reminds us that we are not God's gift to the world. Rather, it is a privilege and honor to serve the Lord by making disciples. Paul didn't view ministry as a favor he did for God or something that he earned merit for. It was a privilege to Paul to be able to be a minister of the gospel. It is a gift of God's grace to get to share the gospel We are not God's gift to the world. Getting to share Jesus is God's gift to us as his ambassadors. A verse that has really comforted me a lot over the years. Uh, I'm always training college students to share their faith. I'm always talking to freshmen and looking them in the eye and saying, God wants to use you, even you. And they say, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not ready. But this is what God has to say. This is actually Paul again in 2 Corinthians 3. He says that not that we are sufficient in ourselves, We're competent in ourselves to claim anything coming from us, but our sufficiency or our competence is from God who made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. God qualifies us to be his ambassadors. You don't qualify yourself. You don't give God your resume and say, hope I can do it. God gives you his resume and says, you're my ambassador. It's God who qualifies you to be his ambassador right where you are, right where you are. Acts 17, Paul is talking to a bunch of Greek philosopher bros. And he says in verses 26 and 27, a very striking statement. He says, and God made for one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. According to these verses, God has sovereignly placed each nation right in its time, right in its place for a purpose that they would know him. I mean, those boundaries, those, the, they seem to be d- determined by wars and treaties. But here we learn that actually every boundary of every nation in time and space is determined by God with one purpose, that they would seek him. And it, I think if God did that for every country, I believe that includes him doing that for every person in every country. And so what this means is that God has put you right where you are, right when you are, so that the people around you would know him. To be his ambassadors to the people around you, you are exactly where God wants you to be at exactly the right time to be on an assignment as an ambassador of his heavenly kingdom. You are God's ambassador to your neighborhood and to the people who live around you. You are God's ambassador to your workplace and the people who work with you. You are God's ambassador to your family 
You're God's ambassador to your friends. If you're in a hobby and there's other people in that hobby, you probably have that interest that you could be God's ambassador in that hobby. My kid goes to school and I view that means I'm God's ambassador to his classmates and their parents. So I try to talk to people when I'm picking up and dropping off kids. I try to have kids over for play dates so I can get to know their moms and dads and tell them about Jesus because God has given me these relationships for a reason. When you go home today, you are going back to the mission field that God has put you in for this season of your life. What if the next leader of the Kansas community NAS is right now an atheist living on your block waiting for someone to share Christ with him? That was me in the dorms. Today, will you go back to letting your work and your entertainment and your social time dominate your heart and how you spend your time? Or will you be compelled by God's power and love to be his ambassador to those around you and to live for him? I want to share with you three daily habits for an ambassador. Three daily habits for an ambassador of Christ. Ambassadors pray, they care, and they share. Pray, care, share. So first, ambassadors pray for the lost. I have an assignment for you. If you have something to write on and something to write with, or you have a notes app on your phone, take a minute and write down the name of five non-believers, five people who don't know Jesus, who are in your life right now that you want to share Christ with. Think, one, two, three, four, five, who are five people, just five, that God's put in your life that you can share Christ with. And as you do that, begin praying for them every day. Put this somewhere where you can see it. Write them in your Bible if you have to. Put it in a note card and stick it in your Bible. Or put it as a reminder on your phone. Put it as a a sticky note on your mirror. Remind yourself to pray for these people every day. Prayer has power. I remember uh, a few years ago, I was was hanging out with a friend named Carson, who's actually here. Uh, He said I could share this story. Um, Carson was living in in Shocker Hall at Wichita State University. Um, And uh, we agreed that that year we were going to try to start an evangelistic Bible study to help share the gospel with people in his dorm. Uh, And before the school year started, we would go to the dorm and we'd walk around Shocker Hall and pray for it like we were circling Jericho. Uh, once he got all the door decks, the names of, of people on their rooms, we would walk through his hallway and pray for each of the guys, each of the residents who was going to live on his floor by name. And then when the school year started, we started playing board games with them. We played Settlers of Catan uh, and other games to get to know these guys. And after we played games with them for a few times, Carson said, hey, we like to read the Bible with people who don't, uh, we like to read the Bible with our friends and get their thoughts on it. What do you guys think if we read the Bible next time, next week for a half hour before we play board games? We'll bring pizza. And they said, yeah, let's do it. Uh, And so we started reading the Bible with them. Uh, It was a great time. Uh, And over the course of that semester, many of those guys gave their lives to Jesus. Uh, And and they started asking Carson to read the Bible with them every day. And so we were going back to my house to get a simple follow-up plan uh, that he could go over with them. And as we were doing it, I remember Carson saying, we haven't done anything. Like we, we hardly did anything. I can't believe like God, like all these people are believing and wanting to read the Bible every day when we barely did anything. And I thought about it and I said, yeah, but Carson, we shouldn't be that surprised. We prayed for this. The God of the universe sent his son to die to save people. We should expect people to be saved when we share. So we should, and we prayed for this. Prayer is so powerful. I was just talking to someone last night who reminded me that prayer is the work of the ministry. Ministry is just walking into God's answer to prayer. Evangelism is just walking into God's answer to prayer. 
So we need to pray for those who don't believe Jesus. And if you don't have five names that you can put on your list and pray for, you might need to change up how you live your life. An American ambassador who lives in America and only talks to Americans isn't doing a very good job of being an American ambassador. And a Christian who only talks to Christians and only lives around Christians probably isn't doing a very good job of being an ambassador of Christ to a dying world. I've heard it said that Christians are like manure. You put them in all, all in one place, they start to stink. <laughs> but if you spread us out, we do a lot of good. So we need, we need to be among the lost and pray for the lost. So we need to pray for them. We don't want to stop there. We also need to care for them. Initiate toward them. Build a friendship with them. I want, to get, I want to hear some thoughts from you guys here. There's a lot of collective wisdom and experience in this room. I've been talking a lot so far, but I want to get a little more practical. So I want to hear some ideas from you guys. What are some ways that we can build relationships with people who don't know Jesus who are in our lives? What thoughts do some of you guys have? What have you done? Just by sharing your supplement or your resources. Yeah, sharing your resources with them. Absolutely. I heard someone in the back. Be an example, yeah. Listen, that's really good. Speak to everybody. Speak to everybody. I, that's a hard one for me, but it's, it's really true. That's good. Find common interests. Yeah, common interests are great. Meeting where they're at. That's really good. Man, these are some great ideas. I mean, some other things you could do, you get meals with them. People were made to eat and people were made to bond over eating. That's why we have a, that's why one of the ordinances God gave his church is a meal. Uh, we bond and, and build community over meals. So get a meal or coffee with them. Spend your lunch break with them while you're working. Invite them over to your house. Invite them over for dinner. I think your dinner table is one of your best evangelistic tools. Showing hospitality is one of the most powerful evangelistic things you can do. Invite them to play sports together or watch sports together. Final fours tonight. Who can you invite over to watch KU dominate Villanova? And then, <laughs> and as you do that, also look for tangible ways that you can serve them, to be there for them in time of need. You know, a wise woman from my church once said that we just need to pray problems into people's lives and then show up with pie. <laughs> but, but as we build friendships, we can be there for people when they really need us. We can help them in ways that they really need. And one way we can do that is even to just offer to pray for challenges in their lives. When I was in college, I had a friend named David, uh, and he would text me and a lot of his friends every single Tuesday night and just say, hey, man, is there anything I can pray for you? This was before I knew Jesus. He would text me every Tuesday night. And I, I often would say, no, nah, I'm good, because I didn't realize how needy and desperate I was for God's help. Um, but I knew that if I ever needed anything or needed to talk to someone about spiritual things, I could go to David. Because I knew when he says, hey, I'll pray for you, he means it. Because he'd set aside time every week to pray for his friends. So maybe you can be that you can offer to pray for challenges in people's lives. When I meet people, I, I met the president of the uh, Interfraternity Council at Wichita State the other day, and it was clear that he was overwhelmed uh, and, and kind of stressed out. So I just said, hey, I love to pray for people. Can I pray for you right now? He said, yes, please. And, and would it be all right if I prayed right now? And he said, yes. So I prayed for him. It's a great way that we can show care for people. Even in a culture that doesn't believe in God, they still value prayer. A lot of my non-Christian friends are always asking for prayers and good vibes or whatever you believe because they're desperate. They know we need help. They realize that we can't control our lives and we need help. So offer to pray. So we need to pray for them. We need to care for them. We also need to share. 
Share the gospel with them. Romans 10, 13 and 14 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? The bottom line is this. People can't be saved from their sin if they don't hear the gospel message. Your kindness can't save someone. Only the gospel can save them. And it needs to be preached. It is a message that needs to be communicated. I recommend using a gospel tool. Something like, I like to use the bridge illustration, if anyone's familiar with that. Some people use like the Knowing God Personally or Four Spiritual Laws book, uh, gospel tract. But I recommend using some kind of tool for a few reasons. One, it's easier for you to remember it. And two, it's easier for them to remember it and refer back to it. Uh, because as they, as you, after you share with them, if you just communicate to them out loud, they have to like remember what you said. But if you give them an illustration or a booklet, they can look back to that to remember the conversation and remember the gospel. And three, it's easier to pass on to others and get them using. When I share the bridge illustration with people at the at Wichita State and they're true believers, the first question I ever ask them is, who can you share this illustration with? Who's someone in your life who needs to hear this message? And I've given them a tool that they can turn around and use with someone else. But as we share, I think one of the biggest things that we can miss is, is, not, is, is oftentimes we don't ask our friends to respond to the gospel by either accepting or rejecting Jesus. I read a book that calls this asking the golden question. Do you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now? So as we share, share the gospel and then ask them that question and be quiet until they answer. Don't try to like rephrase it. Don't try to take it back. Even if it's an awkward silence, let them just stop and think and, and meet with the Lord. You know, I, was, I heard a story of a navigator staff uh, who's at Arkansas. He was sharing that when he was in college as a freshman, he had been sharing the gospel with his RA. He had read the Bible with his RA, um, but he had never asked him to believe in Jesus. And, and one night he was sitting in his dorm room. It was a Sunday night and God really convicted him. You need to go share the gospel. You need to go ask your, your RA to respond to the gospel. And so he kind of hemmed and hawed and said, okay, God, I'll do it. But only if he's in his room and the door's open. Uh, and so he, he kind of like looks out the doorway and across the hall at his, as our RA's room is like, oh no, the door's open. Shoot. Okay. I said, I'd do it. So he goes over and he peeks in. He's like, darn it. He's in his room. Uh, okay. And he comes in and he kind of like makes some awkward conversation. Like the RA had some action figures. He's like, oh, Hey, this is a, a cool action figure. I like it. Kind of awkward. And then he goes, it's time. His RA says, uh, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's time for what? It's time for you to believe in Jesus. <laughs> and his RA says, yeah, you're right. I need to go to church. And he got up, left the room, and went to church. Like right away. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. That man is still following Jesus today. And it's all because Austin, as a freshman, awkwardly in fear and trembling, walked into his room and said, it's time for you to follow Jesus. <laughs> God can do it if we just share the gospel and ask our friends and family and coworkers and neighbors to respond. I'm here today because my friends finally asked me the golden question and asked me if I wanted to receive Jesus and believe in him. How many more people would know Jesus if someone just asked them to respond to him in faith? Imagine what God would do if everyone in this room prayed every day for five non-believing friends and family and neighbors and coworkers. And we all took steps to care for them. We shared the gospel with them. 
and ask them the golden question. How many people might find eternal life, eternal joy, and eternal peace if we just invited them to it? God's love compels us to be his ambassadors right where we are. He calls us to, compels us to do that no matter the cost. Uh, a verse I memorized when I was at a summer training program in Florida that's been really meaningful to me is Acts 20, 24. Paul says, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, there's only one thing I want in my life. It's to make Jesus known. It's to, to tell people about Jesus. You know, I, I remember when I, the night I gave my life to Christ, there was an evangelist who spoke at the Navigators on my campus. And he was, his name was Mark Cahill. And he had written a book called One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. You know what one thing you can't do in heaven is? Share Christ. You can't preach the gospel to a non-believer because they're not there. They're only here now. There's a lot of things we can do for all eternity, but there's only one thing that we can do now. That's preach the gospel to a non-believer. Uh, Paul knew that. I, I, I began to wonder, why doesn't God just zap us home the moment we believe in Christ? Why does he leave us in a world of pain and hardship and sickness? I think there's many reasons for it, but one of them is if he took all the Christians home, there'd be no Christians on earth to spread the message. It would have ended on Pentecost. All right, we believe. Bye. And we're all left hopeless. We're here. You're here to share the gospel, no matter the cost. Paul would go to his death for the gospel. He was on his way to Jerusalem to be imprisoned when he said this. Some of you right now might be pretty nervous as you think about sharing the gospel with those names you wrote down. And that's okay. It's okay to be afraid of difficult things. But what's not okay is letting that fear rule us. Instead, we need to take godly courage. See, the men in our ministry at Wichita State know that courage doesn't mean not being afraid. We say that courage is doing it scared. It's doing what's right despite our fear or our lack of desire. And we can do it scared because we know that our holy, holy, holy God is crazy about us. And he's put his Holy Spirit inside our hearts and he's qualified us to be his ambassadors. We know that the message of the gospel is what saves people, not how good we are at sharing it. You know, this is the heart. This purpose of Paul's life to testify to the gospel, no matter the cost, that's the heart behind the Kansas Community Navs ministry that we're here for. Their purpose statement is to know Christ in my own life in ever-increasing depth and to make disciples and develop laborers at all times under any condition in every place I go. In all times, under every condition, in every place I go. I'll never forget the first time I saw someone choose to orient their life around God's mission. It changed my life. My friend David, who was the one who would text me about prayer requests, he and his friend Josh, they had the best room in our dorm. Okay, this was like a corner room. It was huge. They were surrounded by friends. Uh, and in our dorm, there was one kind of hallway that had a really bad reputation. It was like, you don't go there. You stay away from there. Like, that's where it's just a mess. It's loud. It's raucous. People ruin furniture. They, there's poop on the walls of the bathroom for some reason. Trash cans get filled with beer cans and put in the, the shower. This is the place everyone's trying to get away from. Well, my friend who had the best room in the dorm chose to move to that hallway. And it blew my mind. I couldn't understand it. Why would you do that? First of all, why would you even stay on campus? This sucks. Uh, it's not easy. But he chose to not just stay on campus, but to move into the worst spot on campus. And I couldn't understand it. And I asked him why. He said, because those people need Jesus. 
because I want to be a light for God where it's needed most. And I was inspired by him. So later when my friend came and said, hey, John, do you want to leave all of our friends in this dorm and go to a dorm where we don't have any friends so that we can tell them about Jesus? I said, yes. And, and then I was willing to go anywhere after I graduated college. I remember uh, I was at a nav night. There was a group that came and spoke about some of, some of those remarkable people I mentioned earlier. Uh, and that night I was reading uh, in my quiet times, I was in the book of Hebrews. And I happened to be reading Hebrews 11 which is another great passage I'd recommend you read. It's often called the Hall of Faith because it, it gives several examples of men and women who took faith in God and made remarkable choices because of their faith. And as I was reading it, I started journaling in my, in my journal. So I've got this right here, actually. This is from March 27th, 2012. And I, I wrote in like bullet points. So I, I want to read some of this for you right now, but not all of it's going to make sense. Uh, and that's okay. But th- this is what I wrote that night uh, in, my, in the lounge of my dorm. I said that, we are, uh, it says that people who live by faith are strangers and exiles on this earth. They don't belong. We're seeking a homeland and not an earthly one. They're looking for a better home, a heavenly home. And my, my conclusion was that nowhere on this earth is my home. Not my hometown of Dubuque, not the university I was at, not the state of Iowa, not America. So I asked God, God, bring me, I said to myself, I guess, let God bring you anywhere. Don't be geographically attached or let friends or jobs tie you down from pursuing God's purposes. Instead, trust God and follow him in faith. Home isn't where the heart is. It isn't where the garage is. It's where God is. Remember, you don't belong to this world. Therefore, do not be a slave to its desires and practices. Consider Abraham's faith. He was ready to sacrifice his only son, the heir of the promise, the son he waited for and loved in faith. My faith is nothing like that. Lord, give me that faith to truly count all things as lost for Christ and to remember that you can raise the dead, that with you, all things are possible. Moses gave up a life in Pharaoh's courts to be stuck with God's people in the desert because he had faith in God. And now look at the result. Am I willing to give up my comfort for Christ's kingdom? I reminded myself to look to the reward, to eternity with Christ, to look to my my true home. Hebrews 11 goes on to talk about all these people who were flogged, who had their children killed, who were tortured and suffered. And it said they were people of whom the world was not worthy. And I said, this is the life to which I'm called. This was Christ's life. This is what I can expect for forsaking the world for Christ. And I said, Lord God, give me the great faith to endure such tortures and hold fast in the faith. Father, let me be one of whom the world is not worthy. And that night I made a commitment to God that I would be willing to go anywhere and do anything at any time for his sake. I eventually came on staff with the navigators because of that. I'm doing what I do now, where I do it now, because every step I'm wanting God to tell me where to go and holding my life and my choices with an open hand, because I want my life to be about nothing, but testifying to the gospel of the grace of God and following the course that God has laid out for me. That night was the moment I went all in for Jesus. And I did it because Jesus died for me so that I would live for him because knowing him and making him known are better than anything else this world has to offer because the holy, holy, holy Lord of the universe has given me the amazing privilege of helping others know him and find abundant life in him. And he wants that for you too. What about you? Are you compelled by the love of Christ to live a life of remarkable joy, remarkable peace, remarkable forgiveness and remarkable purpose? Or are you still living for your comfort and your success and your dreams and your glory by your power?
Today, I believe Jesus is calling us to trust him completely with every area of our lives. To put ourselves on the altar as a living sacrifice for him. I think if we're honest, most of us, including myself every day, have only given God part of our lives. There are other things we're trying to hold back from him. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to just think with God and to trust our holy, loving God enough to go all in for him and to completely surrender your life to him. And so I want to take you, I want you to go ahead and take a few minutes to stop and pray and reflect. And as you do, just ask God, what's one thing he might be asking you to surrender to him or to hold with an open hand? So you think about holding something with an open hand before God is saying, God, this is something I really value. But if this isn't what you want me to have, I want you to take it. It's Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane saying, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Is there something God's asking you to hold with an open hand and say, God, I I want to offer this to you. If you want to take it away, take it away. And if you want to leave it, leave it. If you haven't yet, God may be asking you to believe in Jesus for the first time. But ask yourself, what in your life has been more compelling to you than God's power and love? Maybe it's a hidden sin or habitual sin or a bad habit. Maybe it's a relationship in your life. Maybe it's your time. I love having me time. I hate when my me time's interrupted. And that often becomes an idol for me. Maybe it's being in control or people's opinions of you. It might be your plans for your future. It might even be where you choose to live. I don't know what it might be. But I want you to spend some, uh, uh, spend some time, a few minutes, going before God and asking him if there's anything he's asking you to surrender so that you can be fully committed to be an ambassador for him. Let me pray for us, and then you can take some time to reflect. Lord, thank you uh, for your love for us. Thank you that you not only don't crush us, but that you love us, and you have made us righteous. You have covered us in Jesus' righteousness. You have brought us in your family and made us your beloved sons. Father, as we seek to live, when we try to live as slaves in your house, trying to earn from you, would you remind us that we can't earn anything? That we're your son. Lord, for those who are going through real suffering and hardship, would you remind them that they are your beloved son with whom you're well pleased, that you care for them, you're providing for them. Lord, would you bring to our minds and our hearts anything that we're valuing more than you? Anything that's becoming an obstacle to being fully surrendered to you and your purposes in our lives right where we are? Lord, would you put on our heart to lay our lives on the altar and to live as living sacrifices as our spiritual worship? Would you be glorified in our lives and use us as your ambassadors to bring life and hope to the people around us, to a dying world? In your name we pray, amen. Are you willing to take that first step at reaching out to your friends who don't know the Lord yet? Maybe invite them over to eat sometime. Go to a game with them. Take that first step to care, then share. Share your life with them, your testimony, the gospel. You know, it really is the Holy Spirit who convicts of sin. We don't have to do that. It's the Holy Spirit who draws men and women to Christ. We don't have to do that. You just have to be willing to be used by God in bringing the good news to someone and take that first step. Join us next time as we hear John's next message on Making Disciples Naturally.
The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.